Welcome, Anatomy fans. Today we're dissecting God's Not Dead 2, the sequel to God's Not Dead by Harold Cronk, and we've got special guest Pat Boone calling in a little bit later, so stay tuned on Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. That's right, we do, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for joining us. If you're returning, if you're a first-time watcher, listener, welcome. We appreciate you. As you know, um, we're very spoiler-filled, so uh, go see the movie first, then come back to us. We've got Marissa Serafini today. Hello, everyone. And we've got, uh, joining us today, if you guys are uh, fans of AfterBuzz TV, you might have seen her there on various shows, but we've got Mindy Thomas today here on Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome. I am so honored to be with you guys. We're going to really rock this house, right? I'll That's right. You made it happen. I, I, I call, I, we were uh, going back and forth earlier today because I was trying to think who could be good to talk about this movie, and I thought of Mindy, and then Mindy thinks of Pat to get on the show, and she made it happen. See? Well, it's heart to heart go. in here, Okay. <laughs> That's right. Um, so as always, let's start with uh, overall thoughts on this movie. Why don't uh, let's start with you, Marissa? We'll go to you, Mindy, and then I'll. I'll Honestly, go I actually last. thoroughly enjoyed this film. I do have to admit, I did not see the first one before seeing this one. I saw God's Not Dead too because I think in some weird world of my mind that a couple years ago when this movie came out, I think I myself personally categorized the first one under documentary. That I thought it was a documentary, therefore I immediately did not go see it. But I heard so many people were talking about it. That's it was how much so you dislike documentaries. Yes, really. That that in short term, yes. Interesting. I actually and dreamed I was in a documentary last week. I don't know where I. There was you from. go. But um, I so I didn't go see the first one, and then I saw the trailer for the second one. I was like, hey, that looks good. And then I, you know. Watching this film, it's like now I'm kicking myself that I didn't see the first one. So of course I went back to and see admit, the first you're one. And a Melissa like, Joan Hart fan, aren't I, you? I, I mean, you and me both have watched Sabrina and the Teenage Witch. Let's be real. So yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and I am a big fan of Jesse Madcalf as well. But I liked the messages and the tone that, that this film was, and it's such a strong topic that can be controversial. But I think this movie handled it delicately and politely in ways that people can enjoy it. Yeah, a great legal drama. I'll always enjoy that. Of course, you can't handle the truth. There was a great moment uh, by Jesse Metcalf, although that's not exactly what he said, but referring to A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise, that's one I have to watch like about every year or so. Mm -hmm. Any legal drama's got to kind of rise up to that occasion, and I really felt like this held its own. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of great drama in the courtroom. Of course, the teacher had offended the district and and parents of a student, and there was a situation there, but there was also rules, and there's not always black and white with certain rules, so to speak, and so there was loopholes and gray areas that they were exploring, and I liked how Jesse Metcalf, you know, he's wearing the... uh, the suits that were kind of shabby, and then up until the last day, he puts on the fancy garb, and he's like, "Well, I'm just coming off of ten episodes, also of the OJ, uh, OJ Simpson, <laughs> right?" So I've been watching that diligently, and uh, so I really enjoyed how he came in there and kind of pulled the Johnny Cochran moment, so to speak, and uh, dressing up to defend uh, the defendant there. And you've seen the first one; we talked about that a little bit, so. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I enjoyed it because Kevin Sorbo 
and he is just really a phenomenal it's person great. and actor. Yeah. And, and as you know, I was in a Christian movie with him uh, not too long ago called One More Round, and that's a boxing movie that uh, is also in the same Christian media genre. So that was really fun. And it just really nails down uh, the, the heart of the Christian community, which a lot of times gets a lot of um, criticism, judgment, and people think they know what they're thinking when they really don't know what they're thinking. And it's kind of a love community, but then it gets misunderstood. And so I really um, enjoy this being depicted on the silver screen. Yeah. What I, what I like about this movie is that it, it is a good movie. Now, you know, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later. It hasn't gotten the uh, the critical response that I think it. You know, I mean, it's this is a really low score for some. I think twenty nine on Rotten Tomatoes. I think is very undeserving. You might not, because I think it should be in this way. Whether or not you agree with the agenda of the movie, you have to say that it's a good movie. You know, and I, I think that's first and foremost, just because of the same way, like there there could be a political movie. If you don't agree with the politics, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie. Um, and that's my biggest criticism of the critics right now is that's the point like it, it, when we talk about this there's a lot of great story structure there's a lot of great beats as you know you mentioned the courtroom drama i actually liked um a lot of the grandfather and um you know Melissa, uh, grace's scenes together yes. so for me those were some of my scenes and they were well told um and each of the characters had their own identity um and they had their own beliefs so they weren't pushing an agenda they just were real people in a real world, and that's that's my biggest criticism of people who just don't understand this movie. Yeah, and they brought back a lot of the cast, a lot of the nuances from the first one that I enjoyed. And who's to say, really, if you should bring back all of those or some of those, but I thought it worked. Um, I like David White. You know, he's one of the main actors, and um, he's a friend of ours that uh, we've gotten more acquainted with over the years. And so I've seen him in some action roles like Revelation Road. There's been a series of three of those. And and this was this is great because he's got a comedy shtick, so to speak, but he's like a, a pastor. And in the first one, he was having a hard time starting his car. It kept dying. And then at the end of the first one there was an amazing uh, just climax moment that everything catapulted and kind of tied together and uh and then in this one it was again the legal drama taking me into the courtroom i mean i love it it makes me feel like i can just argue any case so bring it on phil just just bring it on marissa i'm here i'm on your side why do we have to argue (laughs) so we'll, we'll get some other people to debate us (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love that. Tweet us, right? That's sure. right. All right. Um, and, you know, one of the things uh, I was able to find a lot of the background about this. There's a lot of great interviews with Melissa Joan Harp. But as, as someone, um, you know, kind of is tied into, you know, a lot of these people. Can you talk about a little bit of the development? You know, obviously it's a sequel to the first one. But what kind of spurred it? To, for them to really make this one. The second one. Yeah, the, the, this one. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, there was a teacher that she was teaching in school, right? And yep. so, I mean, it's, it's an American classroom. If you go back to the founding fathers and everything our country is based upon, which they touched upon actually in the script, which I thought was very, very well written. They had some people get on the stand eventually, uh, the case of Christ, for example, one of the authors and different ones that they were like, look, I tried to disprove this. The one man says, I was an atheist. I'm trying to disprove this. And then I end up believing the very thing I didn't I expect really like to believe. I really like the criminal, uh, criminal um, case yeah, I, you know, when I went with his forensics, I, I actually liked him a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun the way that they were um, going at it in there, and then they didn't really know how they were going to approach it till the end. But, but back to your uh, your question, why did they really make this, this second one? Like, what was the, the appeal? I think that, uh, well... The, the court, okay, so so being a teacher, right, a lot of teachers feel like, okay, I can be there, but I can say this, I can't say that. There's district policy, right, type politics. And, you know, if you want your, uh, what is it, tenure, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you want to teach the students, and you don't want to be offensive to anyone, but at the same time, if you do believe a certain way. So what she was doing is actually teaching history in the classroom. She had quoted Martin Luther King Jr. She had quoted Jesus from the Bible, and then the first was not, you know, the former was not offensive, the latter was. And so uh, here she's teaching a history lesson. And then she, then they kind of, it was interesting because the the girl had approached her. So I think it's just really that this scenario is going on and it's been going on for years about faith in public schools. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and I don't know if you guys stayed for the credits, but um, there was that scroll of here's kind of cases that have been cited mm-hmm. with similar instances. And it was it was quite a long list. I, I thought that was a fascinating thing to, you know, keep people to show this is a real thing, a real problem that we deal with, like the community deals with on a daily basis. And that um, that these are legit cases that everyone needs to know about. And I counted there was about 23 or 24 cases that they listed just then, not including the ones that may have popped up since. And I thought that was really cool cool because it added like also credibility to the reason like these cases that have existed beforehand are so important that it sp- spawns like a whole kind of movie like this. Right. And that, I mean, yes, those are real, but like, let's fictionalize it in for this movie, but know it, that this is actually a real thing. Yeah, there's a lot of people believe in a lot of things, and I think that with we just had Easter, for example, and, you know, that's the, the thing where, uh, you know, they really believe that Jesus, and I do too, I mean, I really, I mean, it, historically, he was crucified. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and then three days later, he rose again. And how does somebody know that? But they witnessed him personally. It's just like if somebody walked in the studio here, like when Pat Boone calls in, we're going to witness his voice. And so it's a witness of, have you heard his voice? Have you witnessed seeing him? And to me, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's pretty amazing that people believe that way in the first place, but it's because of the witness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of Pat, uh, Mark, if you will, why don't you get him on the line and then... Um and then uh, just let us know when he's ready, and we'll get him in. Yeah, I, I think it's also cool, just on the development end as well for this film, that uh, the the writers, Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon, they um, met up with the producer, Michael Scott, one of the main producers of this film, and because they always had this idea of a three-part movie. And uh, for the second one, it was more like a call to action, and they always had the idea of having a female protagonist for the second film, hence Melissa Joan Hart. Yes, and uh, speaking of her, uh, we have her grandfather from the movie, Pat Boone. How are you, sir? Just a moment. I'll get him. All right. Um, so while we wait for him, um, we'll, we'll just continue. So, yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, for those of you not familiar with Pat Boone, he is he's an American legend. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and Mindy, you, you, why don't you give a little background? Hello, Hello Pat. Hello, Hi. sir. How are you? You have, you have Mindy Thomas here, you have Marissa Serafini, and I'm Phil Svitek. 
Hi. Well, hello. It's Phil. Hi, Phil. And who else? We have Marissa Serafini. Say hello. hi. Marissa. Marissa. Hello, Pat. Nice Mercy, to meet you. Marissa. Marissa. <laughs> there you go. And I Isn't bl- Marissa, am I wrong? Isn't Marissa something you can catch in a hospital? <laughs> no, it's Marissa. There you go. It's what? Marissa. I, it's hard. You can anyway, call me. I, I don't fine. mean to, to, I mean, that's just ridiculous, but uh, <laughs> my not attempted a joke. I really thought that's what they call this thing you can catch, kind of a infection in the hospital. But anyway, that's not you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. And I believe you you already know Mindy Thomas? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, we go Mindy. way back. I, I think went to school with Ryan, am I right? That's correct, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ryan, by the way, continues to do better. He's still not all the way back. But, uh, but we're getting there. We're getting him back. That's good, yeah, yeah. He's definitely continuing to be in my thoughts and prayers. We went to Pepperdine together, mm-hmm. and Ryan, just a brilliant up-and-coming filmmaker, um, had an accident at that time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it's been quite the journey for him. But, um, but Pat, we are so thankful that you are here today just to share your heart and also being a part of this amazing film, God's Not Dead too. Well, I'm very so thrilled to be part of that because, you know, the first film, and I hope you saw it, and you know that it was a very successful faith-based film, as was Heaven is for Real and several others that, that have been uh, really making an impression, not just on people who see the films, but on the industry. Because the, the industry said, you mean a film like God's Not Dead can gross over $100 million? How can, can we make that kind of film? Well, they are trying. But what they're learning is uh, you can't make a legitimate faith-based film unless you're using faith-based people <laughs> to do it. Yes. And with and a faith-based writer, uh, that is somebody who knows what it's all about. But yeah, I'm thrilled to be in it. And uh, people tell me that uh, that though my part is it's not throughout the film, it is sporadically from time to time in the film, and and it is significant in the things I get to say. Yes. I I was actually, uh, before you got on, I I was saying one of the strongest moments for me was when when you said to her that that the teacher is silent, that little moment I thought was uh, very powerful. Yeah, you should know, to uh, to my daughter, the teacher, you of all people should know that when you're facing a really, really strong test or challenge, the teacher is always silent during the test. Absolutely, and she gets it. But that's why she feels I'm not hearing from God now. I'm in I'm in the crucible, and I'm and I'm taking a stand. I think I have to take, but I'm I'm not feeling His presence. <laughs> and you know, I think that's what was going on in the Garden of Eden, personally, because the, what we the picture we get is of perfect people set in a perfect environment, of course, by a perfect God who says, in effect, I'll come visit you in the evening and see how you're doing. And, and during my visit, I'll tell you how to do some other things. And you, you Adam, you can name all the animals. That'll keep you busy for a while. And, uh, and you know, just simple instructions. But it says he came in the, in the cool of the evening. So that he left them there all day. And I bet you that was the usual thing. Uh, and it was so they could, uh, he could find out, are they going to obey me or not? Of course, he knew. But, uh, 
at least I think he did, and uh, and they didn't. But that's really the pattern we all live in, that we, just like any other school, you learn some principles, and then you get some some uh, quizzes or tests to apply the principles to, see if they work. Absolutely. And, you know, what, you know, one of the things you mentioned, even though like your role is scattered throughout, I think that was one of the strengths of the movie was that there's various perspectives, um, you know, on both sides in, in various forms. And I really enjoyed yeah. that. And, uh, you know, um, would you agree with that? Yes. And, uh, and, and that's important because if it's just a one-sided polemic, then uh, people who don't agree with you, you know, that you may not convince them. But if you let people see both sides of the issue, and particularly when it goes into, you know, the attorney wanted to prove that even the idea there was a real Jesus is ridiculous. It was, he was like Paul Bunyan or uh, some other make, make-believe character. And, um, and, of course, I know Lee Strobel, one of the people that was one of the attorneys, that was called to testify, who had done the uh, the historical research and and even um, uh, uh, like a detective would do to go back and check on and on, on history as recorded and prove beyond any question, both of them did in court under oath that that there was a historical Jesus who was known to have performed miracles and who was crucified and reported to have. Uh, been raised from the dead, and who started this incredible following, this movement that spread throughout the then known world. So all of that was factual, and that, of course, uh, that that really pulled the rug out from under this high-pressure atheistic attorney, because he thought he could just make light and ridicule of the very existence of Jesus. And therefore, if he did occur historically, and the Bible is historically a record of what he said, and Martin Luther King did quote him, then her answer to the kid's question was in, was appropriate for a history teacher to answer. So I don't want to spoil it for people. I don't want them to know how it all turned out if they haven't seen the film. But you agree it's a film worth seeing. I, I agree. Let me ask you this, because just the way you're kind of talking, obviously you, you had said that uh, it, it was important faith-based people made this movie um you know but how do you so obviously that's step one let's say of preparation for this movie what's step two to prepare for this um you know for the various roles whether you personally or um the other uh, actors that you got to work with well uh the the role i mean you the actors in the film it's ideal if uh, particularly in key roles if, if they're played by people who believe Sometimes the actors and actresses, of course, they have to portray things maybe that are that, that are not uh, common to them or not familiar, or not even things they may not believe. But uh, well, for instance, Richard Dreyfus played uh, 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 Bernie Madoff, and he does an incredible job of this shyster criminal uh, who hoodwinked so many famous people and 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 bankrupted many. But Dreyfus can do a great job. Even Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus, I've seen him play uh, a bad guy in a film now. And I hate to see it, really, because <laughs> I still associate him with with his characterization of Jesus. But 
uh, an actor has to get under the skin of, to the best of his or her ability, and know what what motivates that person he or she's playing. So, of course, uh, a Christian playing a role uh, has to do the same thing. Now, it's, it's easier for a Christian to play a Christian. Now, I am so honored for my whole life, I think is one of the signal most uh, blessed moments in my whole life and career, is that George Stevens, who produced The Greatest Story Ever Told, the film of Jesus long before the Passion, but a great, great film with a huge, you know, celebrity star cast, he asked me to play the role of the angel at the tomb. Uh, when the two Marys came on that first morning and found the tomb empty. And, and, a, and the Bible, well, one gospel says two angels and one says one. But I was asked to be the angel at the tomb and speak the most important words ever spoken in all of history, even more than the angels who were saying, uh, Unto you a Savior is born, as important as that was. Uh, if if the words couldn't have been spoken that I spoke in the film, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. If those words hadn't been spoken and weren't true, then all the rest wouldn't have mattered that much to all of us. But for me to be able to be chosen, now when my, I asked the director, part in answer to your question here, how do I understand method acting try to get under the skin of the and have some of the same experience as the person I'm playing but how do I do that with an angel <laughs> he said well one of the versions says young man in white raiment just be a young man in white raiment and be just a little bit edgy that they didn't believe what the Savior told them why do you seek the living among the dead he's not here He's risen just as he says. And and do it sort of like that, like, why didn't you believe what he told you? Uh, of course, that's from an angel perspective. But anyway, when I saw, went to the premiere of the film at the uh, Cinerama Dome, and there were, you know, the place was full, and we had a couple friends up in the balcony, we could see it all better. And the lights came up at the end of the film, and my friends looked at me and said, what? Did we fall asleep? Where were you? They knew I was in the film. I hadn't told them what role I was playing. I said I was the angel at the tomb, but George Stevens had lit me in such a way that there was a hood. I was was wearing a hoodie, um, a robe and the hood, and the hood uh, shattered half my face so that you didn't probably didn't recognize me. And I was glad because I didn't want people to say, oh, there's Pat Boone in that most climactic moment in all of human history. I did it was like later when John Wayne played the soldier who said, Surely this was the kingdom this was the son of God. You almost could hear him say, Surely, Pilgrim, this was the Son of God <laughs> No. You didn't want to hear you didn't want it was John Wayne saying that. So I was glad that that I was able or George Stevens helped me hide in the character of the angel. Uh, but Jennifer Garner just played a film, which is out there now, uh, uh, Miracles from Heaven, and it's a true story. And she herself says that playing this woman, the mother of the child who 
experienced this undeniable recorded miracle of healing, uh, something she was dying of, and then a 30-foot fall in the, in the barrel of a, of a dead tree uh, did something in her brain, and, and the disease went away. And, uh, and so it was obviously a miracle. The doctors say so. But, but what was my point now? Now, Pat- oh, Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner said that playing that woman uh, has greatly emboldened her own faith. And and you know, a lady just told me in my office today. Uh, I did a movie called uh, uh, "The Cross and the Switchblade," uh, playing Dave Wilkerson. And that movie went around the world, and it was an independent production. It was not a huge box office smash because it was not distributed by a major studio it was an independent production and distribution but it still went around the world in many languages and uh, somebody just told me today that the group U2 Bono and U2 uh, when they were just getting started as a group out of Dublin and and they were Catholics and they they were uh, singing some Christian themed songs I think they called themselves the journeymen and we met in england i was on tour i didn't remember this but they told me later and then they said that they as they were just getting started they saw the film the cross and the switchblade and it made such an impression on them that they began to write and record songs that were christian themed um, so the movies have great power and i think when when they're told truthfully, that God breathes some of his own life into those films so that it does strengthen people's faith and even will convince some skeptics or some people that are undecided that, uh, that these things are true and they ought, to, uh, they ought to apply them in their own lives. So, Pat, yeah, thank you so much. You have such a depth of knowledge and so many different life experiences, so we thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and being on set here of God Not, God's Not Dead 2, when you were on set, tell us about your experience, if you would, sir. Uh, tell If you can share what it was like to work with this group of actors and, and how you felt being a part of this, having a granddaughter that was facing this legal battle. And, of course, I know you're proud of all your children and grandchildren and, mm-hmm. and greats and you know, you're, what are you, 81 years young now? I'm 81, and I'll be 82 in June, which means I will have finished my 82nd year. And I'm still playing singles tennis, and uh, don't tell him I said so, but I played a fellow who's been my opponent for years and was beating up on me till I had my knee replaced. And now I'm back on the court, and, and this last a week ago today, he beat me a 7-5 the first set, and then I beat him 6-2 the second <laughs> so I'm back on the tennis court and uh, and feeling like I'm 30 or 40. But um, but it, it was fun. Ed, uh, uh, the, the people, Melissa and, uh, and the other actors and actresses, the director, everybody on it, except the uh, evil attorney, atheistic attorney. I didn't meet him, and I'm just, I would like to have met him really, but boy, he really played... He played his part so great that you have to almost boo and hiss <laughs> when you <laughs> see him on the screen. But, you know, when they came to that moment in the film, uh, I'd read it on the, in, the, in the script, but I, it didn't occur to me how moving it would be 
as it was portrayed. And I just said those words to Melissa as her grandfather about when the test occurs, the teacher's silent, and something draws our attention outside. We go to the door, open the door, and there at midnight, and it was midnight in Little Rock when we were filming, there's this fairly large group of high schoolers from a church choir, and they're singing, How Great Thou Art. The cause may be lost because that's, it looked like it was, uh, but, but they wanted her to know that they were taking the same stand that she was taking. And it was so moving that Melissa was not in the script, but she just collapsed in my arms, crying. And, and then when we finished that take, the director was crying, the cameraman was crying, the sound people in, back in the house in Little Rock were crying. I mean, it was that moving. And so it's obvious it was more than just some kids singing a song or even something that was written on paper or that we were portraying. But, but I think God was in that moment. I mean, it impacted all of us. And it's on the screen. And people now tell me that when they see the film, that it hits them the same way. And you don't know for sure how the film is going to turn out. But there's something moving, so moving, about somebody with great conviction who will not be uh, intimidated and who will, no matter what, take that stand. And it took me back to Matthew 10:32 when I was 13, and I was reading the Bible myself because uh, my younger brother had just been baptized. I was 13, and people look at me, what's wrong with Pat? He, why hasn't he been baptized? <laughs> and um, and I, I was just holding back enough to read the Bible myself and know why I was doing this. I knew it was important, but I wanted to know why. And I came to Matthew 10:32, and I hear see Jesus say, "If anyone, any man, or anyone, will confess me before men, I'll confess him before my Father in heaven. If he denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father." And at 13, that was simple enough. I understood, and I knew that was the most important decision I would ever make in my whole life. And so I did soon, right away, walk down an aisle and make my own confession of faith and was baptized and it made it made a very strong impact on my life which i mean endures today of course so though those that truth when people hear the truth uh, it will make an impact on anybody that's receptive to truth now there are those who don't want to hear truth and they'll they'll deny it but uh, i want to be on the side that uh, that gets confessed before our Father. <laughs> Why is the Christian walk an exciting one for you, Pat? How many miracles have you seen, and why do you feel that this is what the next generation should uh, should pursue as the Lord? Well, it, it is tremendously exciting. In fact, I, I spoke at church, and they asked me to deliver a, a sermon, and I did, and I really spent some time because I thought I was going to be a teacher-preacher anyway before my singing career took, o- took over. And I knew it was God doing it, uh, directing my life. So I, the sermon I preached was the gospel, a call to arms. And I've never heard anybody, I've never ever heard anybody present it this way. It was something I felt was revelation to me. But even in the Sermon on the Mount and in, in those first chapters, uh, in Matthew, where Jesus 
lays it out. What's, he's just been baptized himself, gone into the wilderness uh, for 40 days, was tempted by the devil. He comes out and begins to preach in the villages. And it's recorded what he preached, and he was letting people know that you're going to have to make a decision. Are you willing to pick up a cross and follow me? This was in his very first sermon. And, of course, even in the the Beatitudes, which we love to quote, blessed are the poor in heart and the, and, the, and those of the meek, and, uh, and blessed are you when they persecute you, and so on. But also, uh, blessed are those who forgive. If you forgive those who persecute you, then your Father will forgive you. If you do not, he will not forgive you. There's an if. <laughs> and, and so... I, I, I picture Jesus coming out of the desert after the the um, temptation and entering on a field of battle with bodies strewn everywhere because the Bible says we were all dead in our sins until we receive him. We're dead. We're, we're the walking dead. But if we receive him who is life, then life becomes a great adventure. And... Uh, Oh, goodness, I could go on and on about it. But uh, when I, I just read the 77th Psalm today, and I was not coincidentally talking to somebody facing some great life trials, a minister. And I said, read the 77th Psalm, because David was talking about how he felt so apart from God. He, he was aware of his own failings. He was, says, I can't sleep at night. I cry out to you. Why don't you answer me? And about halfway through, he starts to recount all the things God has done for him in his life up till then, and, and also for the people of Israel. And that's the answer. Once you start recounting, you're counting your blessings, like Irving Berlin said, but start recounting what God's done for you already, the crises you've already come through and how he didn't let you fail or sink or die, and he's not going to let you down now, but... But life is, is that. It's an adventure, and in its own way, it is a war. The battle is on for our souls, and the battle is not just out there. It's in us. <laughs> We're the battlefield where the main battle's taking place, the battle for our souls, and it's out around us, all the things that we face in this life. So we know who wins. And we can be on the winning side. That's what makes it exciting. And, uh, and, and, but we're going to meet challenges. And our own grandson, Ryan, we're still recovering after 15 years. But when Larry King, an agnostic, asked her on the, his show, Lindy, if your prayers aren't answered the way you want, is that going to shake your faith? And sweet Lindy said, no, no. The Bible says that we will all uh, we will all face trials in this life, and we may not seem to win them all, but what we are on the winning side when it comes to eternity, and if if, God, if Ryan goes to heaven before we do, we know we'll see him again, and we'll know where he is while we're apart. So no, our faith won't be shaken. So, you know, Larry needs to hear all that because uh, he still, I know, that he still can't answer the question of why does God let terrible things happen to good people? And I've answered it, and other people have answered it, but so far it hasn't registered with him 
that we're in a fallen world and bad things do happen all around us. They happen to Jesus. <laughs> they happen to all the followers. And uh, you press on. And he said, I'll, I'll be with you. I'm not going to keep every bad thing from happening to you, but I'll, be, I'll go through it with you. And there's a supernatural strength that people don't see that you can uh, have in your being. You can see the angels. You can walk in that. And they're not seeing when Stephen's being stoned that he's probably seeing the heavens open oh, up. Oh, yes. The, yeah. Man, he, he would say, look, there he is. I'm see, I'm coming. <laughs> and and uh, yes, that was a magnificent moment. I don't know that it's been truly uh, shown in a film, but now the days, I mean, a good director producer could show. Uh, and I, I wonder, did uh, Roma Downey? I'm trying to remember. She showed the Book of Acts. They produced that on, on NBC. It did not get the ratings that oh. um, that the original one, the Bible, got. But still, it was millions. You know, when I went on Larry King's show, and we talked four different occasions about Ryan, and talked about Jesus, about prayer, and, and with ministers that I invited to come on, like Ken Copeland, Rick Warren, um, Oral Roberts, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of who the others were, but in all the, all the four appearances with Larry, there was no Deepak Chopra, no... Um, nobody the forces with you <laughs> or any of those people but it was all about Jesus and about prayer and about how God does perform miracles and does answer prayer and I asked each of the ministers afterwards at that point Larry King's shows were being seen by an estimated 50 million people because they would be seen three times on CNN around the world and uh, when you added up all the people that they estimated that we're seeing each show is like 50 million. I said, what do you think the Apostle Peter or James or John would have given for this opportunity that we just walked into a studio and had for an hour to talk to 50 million people about how good God is and why we trust him and why it's important to, to pray and have faith in our times of trial and trouble? What do you think? They, well, they would have given an arm, a leg, or their lives. And it, we just walk in a studio, and we could do that for 50, for 50 million people. Well, these movies reach millions of people. Anyway, I've, I could talk to you all afternoon, but that's not what you well, want, and I better shut up. No worries, no worries. Well, we'll, we'll let you get going. Um, but if you will, uh, can you give us like a quick list of movies that you would recommend um, for people to watch besides this one, obviously? Well, I've made another one called the Boonville Redemption, and it's not released yet. It's coming uh, this year sometime into theaters, and it's about a, a faith-based situation that happens in a little town, which does exist in Northern California, called Boonville. And it was uh, it's Boone without the E, B-O-O-N-V-I-L-L-E, -L -L -E, Boonville Redemption. And it has to do, uh, it's not a true story, but it is based on things that are happening and uh, and I play an older guy again. I don't know why they are picking me to play an older guy now, but <laughs> but but it is a much more pivotal role. Doc Woods uh, in this little town, and uh, the minister is shot dead in his church on a week weekday afternoon while the women are in a Bible study outdoors, and uh, and 
it, it's, you know, it's suspected who did it, the town tyrant, but no, there's no, no witnesses, and and uh, everybody's cowed by him anyway, except this old doc, Doc Woods, and um, I get to play the doc, and I won't tell you anything about the story, but it's another faith-based film. I hope people, after they see faith, uh, God's Not Dead 2, will then also want to go see Boonville Redemption, but um, there are others in the process being made right now, and of course, uh, War Room uh, is a great one about the the, the woman who prays and uh, and ch- things change uh, outside where she's praying. And I'm trying to think of some of the others uh, that that are out there, but and there are others being made. So Absolutely. just look for them. They're going to be promoted better. The general public will know, and certainly the. Uh, there is a large, viable Christian market, and I, I do encourage every Christian. Once you hear, there is a faith-based film, even if it's one, even if it turns out to be one that, that maybe you don't buy into totally. That if it's faith-based, go see it, buy a ticket, let Hollywood enter to, uh, studios know that they will, the Christians will pay to come see a film with moral, Christian family values. Once they know that's a fact, they'll try to make more of them. Absolutely. And uh, they'll hire faith-based people to make them. Amen. <laughs> well, okay. Well, there you go, sir. Well, this was a, this was an absolute pleasure, and um, I know this kind of came together last minute, but um, you know, we'd love to have you in studio uh, in the future to to really talk about your career. And you know, I mean, there's so many well, things to could, talk that with could you. Be arranged. I've got another couple of stories to tell you <laughs> when that comes. I'm sure you do, and we'd love to hear them. As I know the like fans when Elvis too. was my opening act and my relationship with him and other things like that. Absolutely. Well, okay, we'll be talking. Sounds good. We appreciate your time, sir. God bless you guys. Thank you so Thank much. You. Me too. Well, there you go. That was very exciting. Yes. Very neat. The Papoon. The Papoon. Full of wisdom. Absolutely. And and like I said, I mean, we, we'll, we'll definitely follow up because that man's got stories. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah, War Room actually has made more than $100 million. You know, it, it was kind of a Hollywood upset, so to speak, because here these pastors out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, media pastor in the church, and they started the friends of ours, and so they, you know, started making these movies, and and uh, yeah, lo and behold, they're they're hitting it, they're hitting it hard with Sony. So um, yeah, there's all kinds of possibilities out there, and I love the fact that Daddy Pat, that's what he said his little <laughs> girls used to call him when he was on TV, <laughs> and they would look at this TV, oh hi Daddy Pat, so I want to call him Daddy Pat. <laughs> 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 Although Melissa would call him Granddaddy Pat probably, but but he had a different name in the movie. So. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I, I you know, as, as kind of this went on, one of the things I remember that I want to talk about was um, remember. Juror number 12 was such an important role, and the way they played that of not being, you know, figuring out who who was going to get what juror. Um, And then obviously, you know, it seems like a small miracle that we get the juror that we want. Um, He's the pastor. He's religious. um, And we're able to get him on. But then when he has his whole medical condition... I, story-wise, I loved it because it's like, oh, is is this really failing? And, um, and you know, we get the girl that, that replaces him, and you don't really know where it's going. And I thought, as, as story-wise, that was really so well done um, that yeah. I just have to applaud them. Yeah, yes. I like that, too, because it also not, you know, not just mentally, but, like, in, in a physical kind of aspect, too, is that you, it kind of resonates the question, like, 
did God leave her in the courtroom? Did religion leave her? Because he was really the only one representing any kind of faith-based perception and opinion. And then you take that away, she's literally all by herself. And you just have to question, like, did God really leave her? And does she believe in her faith that much to be by herself during this whole movie? And I thought that was interesting. Right, because even her defense attorney was not a believer. No. So she was definitely, that's an excellent point, Marissa. Yeah. It's interesting to see how all of that drama played out. Uh, like Pat was saying, the uh, the prosecutor looking kind of having the devilish grin and really... He uh, played just, that to perfection. Yeah. He really did. <laughs> and he was, he, just, he was so maniacal. Absolutely. One, one of the things uh, that, that I found interesting um, also about that character was um, they had to hand in their sermons. And he was the one who chose not... He just wrote a letter of why he's not doing it. We never got to see that, though. I, w- I wish we did. That was the one tiny bit that, that I... Did you totally see, though, at the end of the credits, there was a surprise. I, I missed oh. that. What was that? It was that post-credit. Okay, he was arrested. Oh. Yes, because they came Ooh. after him right after that and said, you never turned in your, your, your sermons. I guess it was a subpoena, mm-hmm. right, ah. which is a court order, and you don't do yeah. it. You're handcuffed, which he was. So I'm thinking in God's Not Dead 3, that's, that we're going well, <laughs> yeah. to see some action from David White and his posse. That, I think that would be, mm. be fun, yeah, because I did miss that. I, I didn't stay for the, for the full credits, but uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, which, by the way, he and his wife, you know, they go through a lot of battles. Pat was talking about the battles that we go through. Well, some of those obviously can be intensified, but then there's also uh, a, a favor, I think, that people walk in. You know, when you know where you're supposed to be and you find meaning in what you're doing, there's it's like you can take on anything, but if you're not... If you feel like, well, and, and we all doubt, well, am I, am I, it can get very philosophical. So anyway, Pat's been philo- so philosophical. I'm going to stick with where you're headed with this, Phil. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I mean, it, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, again, it's, it's tough to talk about this movie and fully separate out the thing. But that's that's what it's trying to say is that you don't necessarily have to separate out these various elements and that you can have a discussion about it. And, <clears throat> and I also think. You know, one one of the things that I always take away from it is like, if if you are a non-believer, why are you always so scared to talk about it? Like, just by talking about mm-hmm. it, is that going to all of a sudden shake up your belief? Yeah, and mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed in a lot of uh, a lot of productions, whether it's TV or movies, is that people are throwing around the name of Jesus just mm-hmm. kind of casually. And I never hear Buddha, I don't hear Allah, but I hear Jesus, and it's it can be in a cursing way or it can be in a blessing way. Uh, so that's kind of what you're saying. Is it also what's what is that pointing to? What is that the first word that somebody says when they need relief, when they yeah. need mercy, when they're trying to find a way out of the trouble they're in? Yeah, yeah. and I was sorry, I, I like that point too because also there were some moments, even at the like right at the beginning of this movie, and you see everything's going wrong with the pastor, and there those are moments where people would yell profanity and and cursing words, but I noticed throughout this whole film. There was not one moment of cursing from anybody. There was no shaming and taking the Lord's name in vain, which I like that. Yeah, it's just kind of getting back to a a purity that I think we've gotten away from in film in general. It's, it's, you know, we've seen so much darkness. It's like, really, again? And and so, but let's explore more of morality is okay to to, uh, 
ethics are okay to explore in film and and the purity and the light you know because it says no matter how much darkness there is that God's light will always shine out, shine out the darkness so it's like you know it's okay to do um, to do that and I, I like what they stand for absolutely um, the last thing I'll say about um uh, David, because uh, one of the things uh, you write in, in, in uh, God is not dead, the, the original, you mentioned the car breaking down, and then in this one it's brought back that uh, he got a Prius. Yes. It was actually Prius who called, called um, you know, the producers or whoever and kind of made it happen and said, like, you guys should have a Prius in this movie, um, which I thought was a very interesting kind of marketing campaign That for is them. cool. Right, <laughs> right. I need so, a, uh, well, wh- what do you need? <laughs> I need something right here and right now. <laughs> I, I like Priuses, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but I but I also sp- I mean think about think of what that speaks to though also that a company that big is willing to get behind a movie like this right it, it speaks to you know not only the, the whole notion that Pat was saying that Hollywood Hollywood's got to get behind faith based movies but it's also interesting if corporations then start getting into these you know what I mean and that that's a big shift I think right. that represents something. Yes, there is a financial lucrative uh, investment that's being made in these movies, and then they're also now seeing the return. So it's no longer just uh, an independent film that's maybe making it to the bookstore, which is fine in a specific niche. But actually, there's Parables TV now, which is a complete faith-based network. And our movie was a Parables movie of the week that was on Daystar TV. And so anyway, all that just What was the name of the movie? Okay, One More Round. And that was that boxing movie. And Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy London and Kevin Sorbo and then Franco Colombo, friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so, yeah, it was a really nice cast. But Mm -hmm. my husband produced that, so I kind of had it in on there. Yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. You know, <laughs> not the, I mean, you, you, you and your husband. I mean, you, that, that's why I knew I, sh- I had to bring you in on this mo- uh, on this one to talk about it because you guys, you know, to to kind of give Minnie some credit. I didn't do it at the top, but you know, she's she's been in this business so as her husband, and and they have a lot of experience. Um, you know, and so they're, Thank they're, you. She, she's just she's not brought in just because she's a fan of these movies. Thank Let's you very much. <laughs> so. Um, Let's talk about the director, Harold Kronk. Um, he, he's done a couple of movies at this point. Uh, Jerusalem Countdown, Adventures of Mickey Madsen. He's done um, a couple of those, and he's going to continue on with that series. He did the first, God's Not Dead. Um, you know, and, and kind of, uh, he has a background. He went to college, and one of his degrees is uh, in education, which I thought uh, was a good tie-in, like, was a good tie into this movie, since it is, uh, you know, all the things that we talked about, but at its core, it's also about the educational system. Um, you know, are you, Mindy? Are you familiar with him in terms of as a, as a person or um, traits as a director? I'm not. I was actually curious if he was also the director of the first one. Do we know? He was. Yes. He okay. Was. Yeah. So yeah, I felt like um, he was he was a real strong director, but I don't know. Uh, particularly anything about him personally that's sorry no worries <laughs> I, I mean and it makes sense like uh if some you know i'm glad he got to continue and he wanted to continue from the first to the second because if if, if obviously that one works so well why change it up yeah and i think um i i actually very much enjoyed the directing because <clears throat> if you take it from the first one that had its beats of okay the first the student is going to t- have a lecture on this one time and then you're going to go back and you're going to take yourself out of the, the classroom and then you're going to go back have another lecture and i think that structure kind of still reflected in the second film 
we're going to came to the courtroom. Like, you're going to go in here for a day and talk about X, Y, and Z, come out, and then you go back into it and then talk to another witness or whatnot. And I think that structure of, like, keep going at it with a different topic or approach every single time, I liked that storytelling method. And I definitely got the idea across from both. And I, and I think that was just a good structural pacing. Right. It's a very nice, uh, creatively controlled ensemble piece. And the Chinese uh, young man that he had stood up and said, God's not dead. And the first one, now we see that his dad just slapped him across the face. And that's completely unacceptable. And I know what that's like. Even growing up in Texas, you would think everybody believes. But it was highly offensive to my own dad. And it was very much a volatile situation um, where I was living on my own even at 17 uh, because I had put my faith in, you know, just in what I was raised in. But yet it can be very much you don't say anything, but but you can be preaching way too loud for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have um where was I going? Oh, one of the things. So I, w- I was going to talk about this. Um, you know, with the courtroom scenes, right? I, you mentioned your love of courtroom scenes. I know Marissa; she likes a good procedural every now and then. Every now and then, yes. Um, but I got to say, like from a, from a production standpoint, they're not the easiest thing to shoot. Because think about it: you have the whole. You, you know, you got the judge, you got the jury, you got the uh, prosecution, the defense, uh, the witness. You know, and then there's a lot of walking and standing by whoever's you know doing the talking what whoever the lawyer is so that's a, and then of course you have the crowd watching i mean that's a lot of elements in any given scene um so yeah i mean i have to applaud them i thought you know between the way it was shot and between the pacing it really moved so well um because i think we do take it for granted you know that's there's so many great procedurals out there but i i have to commend it there were three different points of action like you had mentioned david white's character getting up and passing out he had that medical condition so then he was escorted out and then um at one point the defense attorney on the final day of the trial he's actually late and then he comes barging in, so to speak, and so that was rather. Do you think dramatic. that was part of his uh, part of his tactic? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I think he had to get his game on so much that he was like, "This is she's not going to like this. I have to do this. I have to mm-hmm. go there." And so then, before that though, she had had her moment. No, it was not her. I'm sorry. It was the young woman. You know that she was such a great actress, had the tears and just a very powerful uh, scene in the church where she was giving her life. And then the Chinese guy had come to her, and then they were building a relationship. So the Chinese guy had chosen either his dad or this new faith in this community, and it became very black and white. And then he was there to help her and her point of need. So I like how they also interwove the uh, connection of faith believers and how you really do become this family referred to as God's family, people that are actually walking in that. Yeah, so that was really cool. But back to the courtroom, she barges in the courtroom. So there was kind of three action points. And and I really liked how they brought in that extra drama so it wasn't mundane. And they tried to beef it up. Of course, very interesting debates, but not everyone is dialogue-driven. So then they had some physicality there with the girl barging Yeah, in. I mean, I kind of to kind of go off of that, too. But I, I feel like there were, every time we kept going back to the courtroom, there were different tones, emotional tones. So like when we started off, it was, it was somewhat lighter. We, we had a joke in and out here and there. And then it got more progressively serious every single time we kept going. And, Phil, you had a good point. There's so many people in such a small, confined space. How do you show it and keep showing the same location over and over again in a physical 
interesting way. And yet that's a, just a, um, a feat in and of itself right. when it comes to cinematography and whatnot. But I think the tones for every time he kept going back, it always felt different. Like he was hostile at the end. In the middle, it was kind of here, here and there. There was suspense in a way too. And at the beginning, it was, you know, comedy. So there, there was yeah. just different things that kept the audience moving along as well. Right, and to draw in a little of my experience with uh, the courtroom drama, you know, the trial of the century with O.J., well, I had interviewed him back in the day. And so I was recently on Entertainment Tonight and shared that interview for the first time publicly, and it all was because of, on FX right now, the 10 episodics. And so I just really enjoyed also watching how powerful their performances were um, in lieu of, you know, the courtroom drama as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um Let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, one of the things that, in terms of the girl, I thought it was so powerful. Again, just it, for for. Well, no, I, I'm saying uh, in the sense like I, I just really hate again because I'm, my whole thing is I'm going against the critics. I don't understand how they just don't like the story. You can't necessarily judge it on that, right? And so the fact that I, I from a story perspective, I thought it was fantastic. Here's this person that's trying to help, right? And, you know, because the whole trial is based around her and she has no say up until any of this point. And then when she finally does get a say, she feels like she's ruined everything. And, uh, you know, and, and as you were talking about, then she's able to kind of bond more closely um, with, with the Chinese character. I thought that was so powerful because, again, she, she feels in, in that moment, she herself feels def- deflated, much like um, Grace does at the moment. Yes. And I think that's part of when someone puts their faith in God, they're going to come up against that attack because of the war that Pat mentioned, that immediately that's going to happen. That's why it's so important to be insulated with people and to ask the 147 questions if you need so to. So specific. When <laughs> <laughs> you could see the wheels turning, he was like, um, yeah, and for every question I have, there's like three or four more. And he was just like, okay, so now we're up to almost a thousand. <laughs> so what do you think this is going to do at the box office? Where are we at right now? Is it... Uh... Right now we're at... Um, it's like... We we grossed um, eight point eight million so far. Um, it came in fourth at the box office behind Batman versus Superman, Zootopia, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding too. So it's it's going to go up against some competition, and I think its most direct competition would be My My Big Fat Greek Wedding too. Um, Limited theatrical release, and I think the budget was between uh, three and four million, and probably with yeah. PNA added on to that uh, another however many more million, because they've done good getting the word out. It I seems so. like the trailers I've seen are shorter than a long version trailer, if that makes sense. Yeah, because for social media purposes, yeah, I think it's easier to share that versus a two-and-a-half-minute trailer. Um, so I, I absolutely agree. And I think, uh, I, I mean, again, I, I mentioned at the top, um, a very low Rotten Tomatoes score. However, the cinema score, which is what the audience score is, hmm. is an A. Which is very high. I mean, certainly Ooh. Batman v Superman does not have an A. Oh, okay. Um, Zootopia does, but yeah. that's, that is a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was really. a solid movie, you guys. So, oh, the blood. Um, but, but I think that, you know, that just shows don't, you know, always go off the critics. Go off of what you, the audience member, feels like this movie deserves. So you think anybody should go see this, even if, if they're going to be offended, you think they would still be okay no, watching it? I say it? go see this movie with an open mind. I think, you know, I mean, I, 
I mean, one of the reasons why I do like Anatomy is that it forces me to see movies that I normally necessarily wouldn't see. Um, and I'm I'm trying to give uh, examples of the various things. Like, like for, I'll take Marissa because she's she's an easier example. <laughs> she hates zombie movies, but the, the, how many zombie movies are out there in the, in the past few years? And because of this, she has to go see it. But again, it forces her to kind of open up her mind. And That's so, um, so I think we we should all do that just in general. You know, and that doesn't mean you have to go. I'm not saying go see every single movie, go spend all your money. I get that sometimes not. You know, there's some people that only see like two movies a year um, and whatnot. But, you know, see them when it comes out on on Netflix, Hulu, whatever the case may be, when it's on demand. Check out these various movies that, again, might not necessarily be in your initial like, oh, I'd like to see that. You know, and challenge yourself. And, and, and especially when people say that, again... At the core of it, it is a good movie. It are tells you, a good story. Are you going to have any predictions about God's Not Dead 3? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you already did. I think we cemented that. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, the characters, the defense attorney and Melissa could, uh, you know, her character, they might grace. Yeah. They might end up having a relationship, or you think that's that's kind of over. We, we didn't know if that was going to happen. So We didn't, especially because um, Grace's grandfather, Pat, was the one who said, you know, as much as I like get breakfast from you, you should find some other guy to have breakfast with. <laughs> what a great line to memorize, Bill. I thought, <laughs> it, was, I thought it was just funny, you know, and, and yeah, because she made it multiple times of, of a point of how, quote unquote, her words, pathetic she was with her social life. Yeah, I th- and, you know, the the writers of this film, they want, when they started, just God's Not Dead. They always had this idea for a three-part film. And they, uh, I think they mentioned that, like, the second one was, this one is, like, more of a call to action. And then the third one would be more the inspired word of God. So mm-hmm. that, that'd be, like, the, the theme of the third one. So, like, they Ooh. they want to do a third one. You, you already know that's probably going to happen. And But, you know, going from, you know, just off of that, what we think is going to happen... Watching the first one, I noticed there was a lot of unresolved stories going on. And I didn't know if that was supposed to be on purpose. Because if you take it to the second one, those people came back and actually got the resolve in the second film. And then I felt there were some stories in the second film that were unresolved. And I think that's now on purpose because they might come back in the third film to get the resolve. Right. But what I did appreciate is that, um, because again, I did not see the first one, um, it, it didn't uh, take away from the experience, right? It would have made it a little bit more richer. I think that's the same as if you go see a Marvel movie and if you know the comics, it's a little bit richer, but you don't necessarily have to. And I don't, uh, you know, I actually applaud it because there's a lot of sequels that you're like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. This didn't make me feel that way. You know, you kind of get tossed into it. It's a lot of characters at the beginning, but within the first six minutes, then you're put at ease and you're like, okay, this person's doing this. They, and I get it. We're off to a good start. Absolutely. I mean, I was with you, Phil. I didn't see the first one when I saw this one, but I easily understood what was happening because I think that's also a testament to the story itself. It it is fairly simple, and it's easy to understand that it's not overwhelmingly confusing if you miss it. Yes, a certain beat or here and there. Well, in the first God's Not Dead, at the very end after Kevin Sorbo, you know, his character had flipped up and there Mm -hmm. was that scenario. Well... 
they all went to that concert for the Newsboys, and he's singing God's Not Dead. Well, then the Duck Dynasty guy came on and said, text your friends, God's Not Dead. And so then it would be a multiplication type of thing, and that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But then in this uh, particular film, we see their daughter in real life. Is it Sadie? Is that her name Sadie. from the Duck yeah. Dynasty? And she did a really good job. I was glad that she was playing a smaller role because I thought it was more powerful where she's at right now. She had done the Dancing with the Stars, and yeah, so she um, she's a she's a cool cat, you know, as far as young up and comer, and I I like her demeanor and. So it was fun to see her. And then at the end of the movie, they tried to do the texting thing again, but it was more like just kind of a one-liner. So, But that was more of a call to action. Yeah, it because was. In That's the, true. In the first one, it was telling the people in the movie to do something. But now, in the second one, it was actually telling people who are watching the movie to do something. Yeah, they, it, that actually spoke to the crowd in that, that direct interaction, which I yeah. think is smart. Yeah, we we kind of <clears throat> we have a saying here um, at After Buzz and Popcorn Talk about, um, you know, sometimes... You know, the, the term preaching to the choir, that uh, it has a negative connotation, but sometimes you have to preach. That's the people that sometimes need it. And in this case, you know, uh, it, it, it was noted a lot of times like they are silent, my, my, uh, silent majority or minority or what, whatever you kind of want to look at it. But they got to now not become silent. And right. that's the whole, as Marissa was saying, not the, the call to action. Yeah, that's very important right now that we remember that we have freedom of speech in America and that we don't ever want that taken away. That's one of the the founding principles of our country. And being in the media, of course, you you don't want people controlling the media. I mean, do we want a socialist country? Some people say we're, we're already there, but... Um, I say we're still America. I think that, you know, freedom of speech, that's why we get to sit here. That's why Pat was like, this is awesome. I mean, these guys would have died given a leg or an arm just to be doing what we're doing and and sharing uh, this particular message. So I'm excited again to be here. Thank you, Phil. No problem. Speaking of uh, people helping promote the movie, Mike Huckabee, um, he offered a free screening of the uh, movie over in Iowa. Well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was also in the movie, so that was a, that was a good little bit. Oh right, yes. yes. Um, any other tidbits? Uh, I know Marissa, you kind of did a, a, a additional research um, right before the show as well. So any any cool little nuggets that you want to bring in? Um, I thought it was interesting when uh, you know, to, like I, I'm a big fan of Justin Metcalf and yes, how he um, was involved in. Like I, I liked his character and what. He had such a strong belief of something, but that didn't deter his character. That didn't take him away and stop what he was doing from him doing his job and to, to actually help get the win in the end. Um, and, but, you know, doing the research on him, because, I mean, he Pat said a great thing to make a Christian-based film movie. You have to get, well, you don't always have to get, but it's good to get people who are Christian based and um, Jesse said himself that he found God years ago when he was going through um, Alcoholics Anonymous um, when he was trying to clean up and get sober. Yeah, that's really good. That's where a lot of people get exposed to sort of a, a level of faith is in AA, although they don't want you talking about that on the media, or, you know, like adult children of alcoholic, that's another one, really good, I've gone to that one, and you kind of get exposed to, okay, this is really practical, and then you can, you can go as deep as you want to go, and there's really, nobody else can control how deep you can go in your own faith. Yeah, well, speaking of um, 
you know, one of the reasons why I think you know people find God in, in the time of need, much like the uh, the girl who just survived cancer, right? And and the interesting, you know, she had an interesting storyline where she she was struggling of, you know, I believed in God then, but I'm not sure now. You know, has he left me? And and this and that. And I I like the way that storyline progressed. And you know, she was the exploration for all this. God mercy. Yeah, I, I like that character because she was one of the characters in the first film that was pretty unresolved. I I yes. feel like um, because in the first one she did she was diagnosed with cancer, and then she you know made friends with the the newsboys. And but at the end, you know, of the first one, they're praying and they do share great moments, but. Her story wasn't like, okay, it, will she be okay at the end? And then I liked how they actually bring her back to like, yeah, she is okay. And she, she kept with her faith. And then we see the whole resolve with the newsboys. Like, yes, a good friend is now in you know remission. And so, again, there are stories and characters from the first one that were unresolved. But I kind of like how they got the resolve in this one. Yeah, what an amazing character arc for her because she went into sort of not having faith after she was healed. A lot of times people are like, you know, I've experienced a miraculous healing in my body. And, you know, and then I thought, oh, my, all my character issues are going to be fixed after that. (laughs) (laughs) But not necessarily there, you know, so uh, you just think, oh, this one moment's going to, you know, fix everything, so to speak. And, you know, I think that, that that's interesting because people find God when they're desperate. They find God when they need a healing. They can experience the healing, but then maybe the faith doesn't stick. Maybe they... You know, because you're you're used to functioning a certain way, and how do you incorporate this thing in your life? How do you grow in this thing in your life? And so, um, it's kind of like a mustard seed, though, is mm-hmm. what you know what it what it is really, and uh, it grows and it grows and it grows, and then, you know, it's like. Um, right now, actually, is called the year of Jubilee. And every 40 years in, in the, the Old Testament, they would have, uh, and even the New. Um, so there's been 40 since, I think, the life of Jesus. And right now, it's a very special time because they have, like, the Passover's the first one, then three, a couple other festivals. But anyway, just to spring back into the teachers, because I don't think that a teacher is going to go to school and say, I want to deliberately offend this student's parents today. I want to... I mean, teachers are, are heart, they're nurturing, they're underpaid a lot of times. Um, they're, they're doing an enormous responsibility, even if it's 20 or 30 in a classroom. And so I think, you know, let's let's take it easy on them and uh, address these issues at home as much as we can. I think um, that what, what good is it going to do? What good is it really going to do? If it's a good thing, why take it out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea that... Uh, on the flip side of the first one, because the first one we had a student who was proclaiming the faith, and then this one we had a teacher compared to not a student. And so, like, I like how they kind of changed just the perspective that it was more in an adult kind of situation. And I think that's why why we were actually allowed to go to the federal court, because it was on a more mature kind of mentality. And I, I like that, that flip from... Not a young person telling about a faith, but an, an adult who's actually well-established and um, has a stronger, more sense of self um, going about this topic. Um, but I, I thought that was just interesting. Uh, like That's how they wanted to show this perspective. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Um, any final thoughts as we wrap this up? 
Yeah, I'm just so thankful that um, that they made this movie, that they, they have a voice, like you pointed out, Marissa, that was excellent, that they have a really neat formula. So they can just keep continuing on, almost like episodics, because Star Wars is on seven, and they're going to three. So I am really encouraged that they're keeping on with this. Of course, David being arrested, his character, David White, uh, we're going to see what unfolds in the third one. So I'm really I'm just I'm just more ecstatic because like you say they could really keep going with these and I just want to see more of this kind of material out there and I think that there is a silent majority we're not we're not supposed to be silent we're supposed to have a voice for the voiceless and for those that are being silent I'm here to say I'm speaking up I'm speaking up yeah. <laughs> there you go yeah. um I, I fairly enjoy this movie uh, I enjoy a lot of faith-based um, movies and books and whatnot, and I think this film had such a strong message that wasn't like always gonna hit you over the head with it. I understood what they were going for, but yet in a way, I I want to open it up to the people who might be hesitant to go see this because you could actually learn something from it. <laughs> and I think it, it speaks to the message, and I, I liked how it spread from adult to the younger demographics as well. So anyone can really see this movie and get a lot out of it. I agree, and I, I applaud the cast. I thought everyone did a fantastic job, and <clears throat> they had they had a really good ensemble. And as as we talked about with Pat, the the various perspectives I thought was very powerful. And so that way, you know, uh, you could find something to relate to if you were searching for something. Um, so I, I I overall applaud it, and you know what? I don't applaud anyone who's given it criticism. You know, I it, I think it's a good movie. I think that's it. That's that's just what it comes down to. Um, and if anyone, ha- you know, why why are you so upset? There's I, I forget where I was reading this, but there's a and maybe it was the, it was a good joke of uh, you know uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but uh, basically so someone is it maybe it's the plot of the first one, but basically he says how can you hate something that doesn't exist? Is that from the first mm, yes. one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Shane. Uh, that he's in that show. Good luck, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's such a oh, great yeah. actor, and he delivered that line mighty powerfully. And you did remember it quite well. So. Oh, there you go. See. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, I've yet to see that one, but but I'll, I will get to it. Um, and uh, if the third one does come out, I'm sure we'll be doing it here on Anatomy. So thank you guys for joining us. Yeah. Um, it was a pleasure having Pat, uh, Mindy. Thank you for that, fans. Be sure to leave a comment and thank her for that because she's the one who made it happen. Um, and of course, uh, by the way, leave some questions for Pat. You know, uh, you know, we're not going to have him back right away, but but I'm sure in time we'll get him in studio and then we'll we'll check back on the questions and we'll be sure to ask him some of those. Um, I do enjoy the news voice. Like I've always actually enjoyed their music, and I've actually edited a video to one of their songs. So and and I like the fact that the news boys were. Can in people check it out or no? They could, yeah. Where do they check that out? It's on YouTube, um, Marissa Movies, my YouTube channel. Go find it. (laughs) Um, But I I like the music, too, because they had Newsboys. They're a well-established Christian rock band. Um, So I I liked how it it is a community and that they believe in their music and faith, and they can speak to the masses, too. So, yeah. Absolutely. So there you have it. Uh, Mindy, where can uh, people interact with you? Mindy Charlotte is my Twitter address, and, uh, yeah, just give me a call, too. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or and pray for me. You know, I'll, I'll feel you. I feel prayers. Sometimes I feel it when people's... And I'll, yeah, I knew you were praying for me. Thank you. I'll pray for you, too. Yeah, there you go. And you can follow me on Twitter at TV. 
And follow us here at the Popcorn Talk and Movie Anatomy. And check out our other shows here on the Popcorn Talk Network. Uh, we've got a whole slew of them, so definitely check them out. And check out Anatomy, you know. Uh, whatever movie you see, you don't have to see all the movies that we do. But check out, uh, once you see a movie, check back in with us. We've probably done it. Um, we've got a bunch of great movies coming down the pipeline. So uh, definitely stay tuned. And thank you if you're a first-timer. Welcome to the show. Hope you Hope you uh, check back in. For the time being, we'll see you later. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.